Hello, everyone, and welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Justin Skase, Senior Editor of the EHS Daily Advisor and Safety Decisions Magazine. Now, it's one of the most instantly recognizable hazards when you step onto many work sites. Noise. A lot of us tend to think, well, just use some PPE and that's it. However, there's much more to a hearing conservation program than meets the eye, or meets the ear, I suppose we should say. So what are some of the things you may be overlooking in your hearing conservation efforts, from hidden risks to the value of audiometric testing? Well, today we're talking with a hearing conservation expert who may have some great thoughts on the matter. So let's listen up. Our guest today, Alexa Goff, is the Occupational Hearing Conservation Business Unit Manager at Shoebox Audiometry. In this role, she works with some of the most forward-thinking manufacturers and on-site or near-site occupational healthcare providers in North America. She has a passion for partnering with them to find innovative ways of improving the way they deliver audiometric testing as part of a hearing conservation program, all while helping them achieve their overall business objectives. Alexa, thanks very much for joining us today. Happy to be here. Thanks, Justin. You're welcome. Now, let's start with the big question. Why is hearing conservation particularly important for EHS professionals and their organizations today? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, I guess there's many ways you could answer this. Uh, for me, I think that uh, first and foremost, noise uh, or noise exposure is one of the most uh, pervasive, but yet not talked about occupational health risks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a byproduct of so many industrial processes. It almost um, is forgotten about. Um, you know, hearing loss is often ignored until it's too late. Uh, and that's, you know, an issue because once damaged, hearing really can't be uh, restored. Um, right. And we all know the effects that hearing loss can have on not only productivity in the workplace, but also your, your personal life, your health. So I really think that uh, hearing conservation is so important, or hearing conservation programs are so important, uh, because they're really designed just to protect workers uh, that have significant occupational noise exposure. Um, we're protecting them from hearing impairment and hope to hope, hopefully being proactive in the way that we not only monitor noise levels, but protect the, the employee's hearing. Mm-hmm. So... The first thing that we think of when we talk about hearing conservation in EHS is, I mentioned it before, personal protective equipment, PPE. But a conservation program should have much more than that. So what are some of the most overlooked elements of an effective hearing conservation program? Yeah, this is an easy answer for me, and it's one um, that I talk about with my customers on a regular basis. Uh, In my opinion, um, the most overlooked piece of the the hearing conservation program is the educational or training component. Oh, okay. Um, This is what really separates, um, you know, the great hearing conservation programs from the ones that are just meeting the basic requirements. Mm. Uh, So it's not just about, you know, record keeping. I always hear this. It's just about record keeping. We're just meeting the OSHA requirement for, you know, keeping records of our annual tests. Mm. It's not. It's, you know, there's no point of testing if we're not going to make changes to how we're, you know, um, doing work. So workers uh, need information not only about, noise exposure, uh, the effects that noise can have on their hearing, you know, throughout their life, um, Mm -hmm. how to properly protect themselves. Um, There's some amazing equipment out there that will show you exactly, you know, what difference 
Uh, it can make, uh, you know, whether or not you insert, uh, you know, your hearing protection properly or not. So mm -hmm. um, I think we need to focus on the educational or training aspects of the program on, you know, a, an ongoing basis. So, um, you know, maybe that's going to be refresher trainings um, every year. Uh, I know some of my my customers that have fantastic programs, they, they do refresher trainings on a six-month cycle, um, and that's going to be on everything from, you know, spotting potential risks or exposures uh, to hearing protection, um, best practices, things like that. But um, really, not just about testing, it's really, in my opinion, testing if any sort of shift or any sort of issue is detected. Let's make changes to the way that we're um, either putting on our, our protective devices, how, you know, we are doing our work, that kind of thing, because that's really going to make a big difference going forward for that employee and help them make uh, changes that will have positive impacts uh, in terms of their hearing health. Right, right. But, of course, we don't want to underestimate the importance of PPE either. And um, I imagine compliance is a big issue. You know, the old excuses, this isn't loud enough to hurt me, it's not loud for very long, the machine is on and off so quickly, etc. So how can an EHS manager bust some myths, overcome resistance, and best promote hearing PPE compliance at their organization? Yeah, I, I love this. This is such a great topic because I think there's a lot of, like you say, misconceptions um, mm -hmm. from an employee standpoint. Um, I think we all know uh, that OSHA requires employers to monitor uh, noise levels and, and test on a regular basis whenever an employee is exposed to uh, a sound level of 85 dB over an eight-hour workday. That's fine. That's considered mm -hmm. action level, and we all kind of know that. But very few people actually understand what 85 dB sounds like. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to give you a couple of examples. So a blender. Uh -huh. Okay. <laughs> you know, a passing diesel truck. Okay, mm -hmm. a lawnmower. These are pretty average day-to-day -day sounds that we would expose ourselves to and not really think anything of it. Uh, and then compare those sounds, you know, a blender or a lawnmower or a, a snowblower. I'm, you know, we're in Canada, so I had to mention the snowblower. Um, <laughs> <laughs> compare those to, say, a jackhammer or a chainsaw. Mm. Or a handheld drill all of those are going to be way over 100 db so if you're exposing yourself to that type of noise you know you may not be aware of how detrimental that is to your hearing health um, mm. if you're exposed to it over a long period of time so again coming back to what i said previously about the educational aspect of a hearing conservation program mm. you know make it real make it tangible for the employee help them to understand uh, the risks associated with being exposed to noise that, you know, may not cause them any physical pain, um, may not be something that they're too concerned about, but uh, can have, you know, life-altering uh, effects when considered over, say, a five or ten year period. Um, so I really, I would say, um, tying again back to my educational point, make it real. And then use that to help educate them in terms of how to properly wear their hearing protection devices um, and explain how, you know, what they are, their, their work conditions, um, you know, can have effects that reach far beyond the workplace, you know. Okay, great. Um, are there any particular hearing hazards or risks that tend to not receive enough attention in the workplace? We all know about noisy machinery or other extremely loud hazards, you know, like you mentioned, the jackhammers and stuff like that. But are there 
any other more subtle risks for safety professionals to be aware of? Yeah, this is a really interesting question. So I was trying to think of some some real world examples that I've come across um, in you know with my customers. Mm-hmm. One one example came to mind. Um, it was I was on site recently with a customer and um, working with the safety team there, and and the safety manager was, manager was saying that she uncovered an issue recently where her employees were uh, playing music uh, mm. in, in earbuds. While oh, okay. working, had no idea that they were doing this and exposing themselves to loud music of all things, ah. uh, over and above, and they were playing it so loud to mask some of the sounds, which I thought was crazy. <laughs> First yeah. of all. So, uh, so they replaced a loud noise hazard with something even louder. Right. So, kind of a, a you know a double whammy there. So that one was one that came to mind first off. Um, the other thing that I think, um, and I know that we talk about it sometimes with employees when we do things like, you know, questionnaires with them uh, before an audio metric test and things like that. But um, mm-hmm. I always talk about hearing health. I don't separate workplace noise exposure from, uh, you know, your personal life noise exposure. So I think when mm-hmm. talking to employees, working with employees, um, when you're doing your training as part of the hearing conservation program, you know, bring into into play any sort of extracurricular activities that might um, also add to the the levels of noise that a, that an employee is being exposed to. Do you own a motorcycle? Mm-hmm. Uh, are you an avid hunter? These types of things that make mm-hmm. tribute. So the noise exposure at work combined with the noise exposure in your personal life. You know, have have both of those pieces come together to to really paint a full picture for the employee because. They both contribute um, to the to the employee's hearing health, and they're both relevant. Okay, so what are some signs that there may be a hearing hazard that hasn't been properly addressed at the company, and uh, what are the first steps that should be taken to address them? Yeah, wonderful. Um, so, how I see this most common um, or most often in in my work is I'll have a customer, um, you know, call me and, and talk to me about how he's noticing or she's noticing a spike in shifts happening or SDS is happening within a particular department or team, perhaps. Maybe their noise monitoring um, program is, is out of date or they haven't done measurements in a particular part of the facility recently. Um, and uh, so the system that, that we offer actually has a really easy way to to identify trends like this um, on teams or within groups. So I always really encourage uh, my customers at least to keep an eye on these trends, not just of you know one individual's hearing levels over time, but but you know approach it as um, almost cohorts. So look at who they're working with and where they're working because it's possible that something may have changed with the equipment that's being used in a particular area within your facility, Um, maybe something in terms of the process or how they're accomplishing a specific task has changed and therefore you need to do some some more noise monitoring in a particular area, that kind of thing. Really approach it from a trend standpoint and kind of as a whole versus on a one individual case-by-case basis. Um, So that's really where I see is it's when you have these clusters of changes year over year when you're reviewing audiometric results, those audiometric results are helpful for identifying larger trends from a noise standpoint 
Mm-hmm. So, so use those or analyze those two pieces of information, the noise measurements and the audiometric results in tandem. Uh, and then obviously, you know, just getting feedback from your employees, obviously, as well as is really important. Okay. So um, speaking of employees, uh, how does hearing conservation tie into worker productivity or communication? Are noise protection measures a hindrance to these things or could they be considered an asset? Well, um, I know my answer to this strong. If I could capitalize myself yep. right now, I would say asset. <laughs> yeah, yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I can tell you that um, when I'm you know, in the field doing audiometric tests with my customers or just offering it in, in clinics elsewhere, um, it's very obvious to me and to any administrative technician, administrator, audiologist that's doing the testing, um, mm-hmm. very obvious. It's so easy to point out the individuals that uh, have been properly uh, um, wearing, making use of hearing protection and those who haven't. I mean, mm. you could spot them in a crowd. So um, I mm-hmm. think it, it couldn't be stressed more that uh, hearing protection um, devices are so important, um, not only for worker productivity. So worker productivity, let's think about that. So if, mm-hmm. if the employee can't properly a, you know, understand instructions, let's say, communicate with their colleagues, um, spot a slight change in the noise being emitted from a piece of equipment, you know, all of those things um, we take for granted when we have, you know, good levels of hearing, healthy levels of hearing. Mm-hmm. If you can't, uh, you know, pick out those, those um, or, or see those complexities, hear those complexities, that will affect your productivity, of course. Mm-hmm. But I think more, almost more important to that is how hearing, um, hearing loss can impact the individual from a, a communication, from a social standpoint. Um, you know, I'm sure everyone's been, let's say, in a noisy restaurant and all that background noise makes it difficult. If you have any sort of hearing loss or even I know that I do this, too. I, I put my hands behind my ears to create cups to kind of catch yep. the sound so I can hear the person in front of me. Well, imagine mm-hmm. having that challenge hearing someone in you know, your day to day life in your workplace. Um, mm-hmm. It wears on that person over time and can ca- cause feelings of social isolation Mm-hmm. Um, it can have all kinds of, of, you know, effects that are, you know, more obvious and less obvious. So uh, noise protection measures, um, absolutely they're an asset. And I think, you know, a healthy employee leads to a healthy, productive workplace. Absolutely. So uh, uh, you've mentioned audiometric tests a few times. So uh, tell us a little about uh, audiometric tests. How should they fit into an EHS program, and can they empower workers to test noise levels themselves? Okay, so um, I think uh, I've made myself <laughs> pretty clear on this point. I mean, audiometric tests are mm-hmm. one part of a hearing conservation program. Right. Uh, the I happen to work for an organization that produces audiometers, so obviously it's front of mind for us, but I think it's mm-hmm. really important to note that Audiometric testing is is only one component of the Mm. hearing conservation program. It's an important part. It's the only way we can monitor the the individual's hearing levels over time. Um, But like, I mean, as I'll explain, I mean, I think it's really important to use the audiometric results or test results 
to then, you know, do things like um, initiate new training protocols and, and things like that. Hmm. So audiometric test, um, very simply, um, what we're going to do during an audiometric test is present a series of tones to the patient and then uh, they will register their response whether or not they uh, recognized that tone. So hmm. we're testing um, a range of tones that starts you know, from about 500 hertz up to 8,000. That's the range we're going to test from hmm. about 0 to 90 dB. So we're, trying, we're testing over quite a, a, a wide range. Um, and based on your, so every employee will have a baseline, what we call a baseline audiogram. Um, the baseline audiogram is simply capturing the employee's hearing levels at the start of their employment with a particular uh, organization. Okay. It's not about whether or not that person has hearing loss. That's not what we're trying to gauge here. Mm -hmm. What we're gauging is what is their level of hearing at that particular point in time. And then what we'll do after that is we'll test that employee on an annual basis mm -hmm. to see if their hearing level has changed uh, over the course of that year. Okay. If it has changed by uh, 10 dB or more over that you know, specific value, uh, then we have what's called a shift in hearing levels. And that's, that's concerning um, because mm -hmm. we want to know if there's something in the workplace that has caused that shift. So the reason why we test every single year is to ensure, I mean, everyone starts losing their hearing uh, with age. I mean, after 30, we're all starting to, you know, lose minimal amounts of the upper frequencies. That's not what we're looking for here. We're not testing mm -hmm. for, you know, slight changes in hearing levels. We're, again, we're really looking for, has there been a significant shift in your level of hearing over the past year? And if so, what's causing it? Is it mm -hmm. work-related? Is it related to extracurricular? Whatever it may be. Um, the audiometric tests, uh, uh, like I say, are one part of mm -hmm. the hearing conservation program. They really are a very important part. They're, they're the only you know, tool we have really to uh, monitor that individual's hearing levels. And then um, in terms of, you asked about testing, uh, if the employee can test themselves. Well, depends mm -hmm. what you mean by that. Um, many systems, um, well, our system, for example, is a self-presenting test, which means that it's an automated hearing test controlled by um, an algorithm or a piece of software. And yes, the employee can self-test. Okay. Um, but I think that we need to be careful when we talk about self-testing simply because you do want to have um, you know, someone who at least oversees the testing process to ensure that it's being done, um, you know, in a compliant environment and that it's being done in a way that, I mean, OSHA has very clear guidelines for how these tests need to be um, completed. So we can have self-tests, but um, there will always be some sort of, um, you know, administrator, technician, someone to oversee that process. Okay. And then once we finish with the audiometric tests, that's what gives us the documents. That gives us an audiogram. That audiogram, or you can also have what's called a summary report that will give you a full picture, um, a full historical summary of that individual's uh, results or audiograms, audiometric results. 
I think the the documentation obviously it's important from a regulatory standpoint to have the employer you know have records of all these programs and, and results but also what I always stress to the employees mm-hmm. is that you can keep that documentation so that let's say you change places of employment if you keep your documentation and let's say you go to your next place of employment mm-hmm. uh, and you say have um, let's say a shift is detected or there's something that um, leads to you going to consult with a physician or an audiologist. The more information you can give that medical professional, the better. It gives them uh, some context. It gives them tools that they can use to to factor in when they're doing their you know their analysis. So the audiogram um, is is a, a document or a record for the employer, but also can be extremely helpful for the employee in terms of taking ownership over their their own hearing health. Hmm. So um, what are some of the costs of, uh, I mean, some of them seem fairly obvious, but, you know, some might be semi-hidden. What are some of the costs of failing to consider a proper hearing conservation program? Are employers looking at higher medical costs, maybe OSHA fines? Uh, What sorts of things are we talking about here? Sure. So, I mean, this will vary, obviously, you know, on a case by case basis, um, depending on, you know, which state you're in or which country, mm-hmm. perhaps. Um, I, I can think of three, uh, you know, obvious examples. I'll start with one um, that I unfortunately come into contact with relatively frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, I have spoken to many organizations that came to our company because they failed to have a hearing conservation program put in place or um, they didn't think it was uh, required or for whatever reason, they had not implemented a proper hearing conservation program. And unfortunately they had to, um, well, they've had employees that have, uh, you know, blamed the employer for loss of hearing. Ah. be extremely expensive for an employer let me tell you right um if you're thinking about whether or not it's worthwhile to spend you know a few thousand bucks a year on your hearing conservation program well i can tell you that it's much cheaper than spending you know tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars uh from legal fees right so that's the first one and then that's you know, that's doesn't sound very nice, but unfortunately that's just the reality of, of it. And if an employee can prove that they were exposed to damaging noise levels and you didn't, um, you know, adequately provide them with either proper hearing protection um, or a hearing conservation program, ultimately the, the cost of that is going to fall on, on the employer's shoulders. So that's the first cost to consider. Okay. Um, the second, yes, I mean, there's OSHA uh, requirements, um, so you want to make sure that, you know, you're not one of those organizations that's um, highlighted in the weekly newsletters being put out by OSHA in terms <laughs> of who <laughs> receives yeah. those fines. Um, but um, I think, I mean, those are kind of the, the punitive costs. So that's what happens if you don't play by the rules. Mm. If you play by the rules, I mean, OSHA makes it very clear what your responsibilities are as an employer. Um, and so if you just play by the rules, I mean, I think, yes, it might be tough to swallow those initial upfront costs, mm-hmm. of, you know, the hearing protection, the annual audiometric testing programs. Um, you may choose to invest in, you know, learning systems. Um, many of my customers have really great, cool learning management systems to provide video training and that kind of thing. I mean, that's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, the best case scenario, but even 
just your basic annual testing programs combined with, you know, hearing protection devices and that kind of thing. Yes, there may, there may be an upfront cost to the employer, um, but I think, you know, you'll, you'll see that return on investment because A, uh, you'll avoid any uh, costly fines or legal fees. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll also have, you know, a healthy workforce that in, you know, the hope is that a healthy workforce will be more productive. So, right. um, I mean, that's what I'll say about that. I think that you're always better off proact- being proactive when it comes to these types of programs. Um, and just, you know, you don't want to get, you don't want to see the other side of that coin, I guess. <laughs> yes, definitely. Okay, so... What about workers whose hearing is already impaired, either on the job or at a previous job? Uh, what can be done to safely accommodate them? And you mentioned briefly before that uh, hearing damage, you know, for the most part is n- not reversible, but is there anything that can be done to mend the situation? Yeah, um, great question. So again, um, to stress that uh, when we do a baseline audiogram, we're not looking for hearing loss. Um, right. What we're looking for is just a capturing that baseline. So, mm-hmm. uh, and then monitoring how it changes over time. Um, I guess uh, the first thing that, um, or one of the most common um, you know, topics that comes up when we're talking about individuals with hearing impairment is what about those employees that have hearing aids, for example? How do we do audiometric testing for those employees and that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that um, for workers that already have hearing impairment, one, you want to be very conscious of that, particularly when you're doing your annual testing program, when you're doing your hearing questionnaire. Um, mm-hmm. With individuals with hearing aids, we take those hearing aids out when we test hearing. Um, we certainly make, um, we're, we're much more conscious of the hearing protection devices that we uh, provide that employee with. I think it's almost, um, you know, we have to be almost uh, extra sensitive to uh, any sort of exposure to noise because they're already in that, you know, danger zone, that risk zone. So we want to make ex. We want to take extra care not to further damage their hearing because, like I say, once it's gone, it's gone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so this is where one the hearing protection devices uh, become much more important. They may have you know specialized hearing protection devices. Certainly, education again always mm-hmm. important, extremely important in this case to just notify or make them aware of the risks of noise exposure. Um, mm-hmm. Properly, the foam insert hearing protection devices are what I've seen, you know, the most commonly uh, misused hearing protection devices. Explain how to insert them, explain uh-huh. the value of hearing protection and what it can do. It can save your hearing levels. Mm. Um, so I think what we just have to do is almost amplify our efforts to protect the employee's hearing whenever you're dealing with any employee that has hearing loss and then also make them aware that it's okay that they've lost um, or that they have a hearing impairment. It's mm-hmm. okay. It's not, um, it's not, uh, you know, setting them behind in terms of their work. We're just going to make them know that uh, we're taking extra care when it comes to their, you know, hearing conservation program involvement. Mm. So in your experience, What's the what's the best example of a workplace hearing conservation program that you've seen? Like, what did that company really do right? Sure. Um, 
I work with a, a, a lot of really cool, amazing uh, companies. So it was hard to think of, you know, some of the best examples because I've, I, I've seen so many great examples. Uh-huh. I'm going to use one that I had the chance to visit a couple weeks ago because they're friends of mine. So um, okay. this company, uh, they're a food, a food packaging processing plant, um, quite a large plant, a few thousand people. They're a 24-hour operation, so they've got three shifts. Um, wow. What they had been doing previously, uh, they were outsourcing their testing to a third party, and it was going pretty well, except for that the the hearing, um, or sorry, the health and safety manager was spending about two weeks every year of her time just scheduling. Oh wow! This, this round of annual testing, which was a nightmare for her. I mean, she's a highly skilled professional. The last thing she needs to do is spend two weeks of time um, building out schedules. So. Uh-huh. Um, and then in addition to that, you know, the mobile units that come on site to do the testing, they're not always ideal depending on, you know, this particular plant, I know that there was a train track behind the facility. So they were parking there and caused all kinds of noise, you know, issues while testing and all that kind of thing. So they came to us and we worked with them to design, you know, a more modern program for them. Um, they were using uh, our tablet-based audiometers in-house now. Um, and what it did for them was it allowed them to move away from this kind of once per year testing program uh, into a more um, like a rolling schedule um, to test the the members of her team that were uh, part of the hearing conservation program. Um, and that was great. So first, first problem was we eliminated the testing in the mobile unit, which was not ideal for a number of reasons. Took, um, took away the need to do that scheduling, so gave her two weeks back in her, her, her year. And then what we found, so they've been working with us for a couple of years now, so they kind of got the testing piece taken care of. Mm-hmm. Then what they decided to do was, because they had freed up this time from the health and safety manager, they expanded the hearing testing program to even those employees that weren't part of the hearing, like who weren't mandated to be part of the hearing conservation program. Oh, so now okay. the office, they offer the testing as kind of a, a bonus uh, healthcare service to their teams. So that includes, you know, front mm-hmm. of office, you know, administrative staff and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. educating even those individuals on the importance of hearing health. Um, they actually extended this as a service to some of their uh, staff's families. Oh, cool. Um, they were also using the tablets. I've talked about videos a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, they were actually able to uh, record, and it was great. We did it with them. They used some of their own staff, and they um, actually recorded their own training videos on site with oh, their great. own people, which was kind of neat because they. I, I was there that day, and we um, recorded these videos. We had some of the guys. We pulled them off the line, and you know they were joking that they felt like you know movie stars. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so they use the tablet to test the hearing, but then they also use it right, you know, right after the test to display or show quick refresh trainer videos right on the iPad. So they don't have to, you know, send them anything as right in real time, do a quick refresh. Um, they also have a really great uh, device uh, that um, I'm not sure if I can see, but 3M makes, but it's this amazing device that. Mm-hmm. Um, basically has the employee insert, in this case it was a foam insert, hearing protection devices. They'll present a tone uh, to that employee mm-hmm. and then show them what the attenuation level is, basically how much they're protecting, what level of protection they have from noise. Mm-hmm. 
And then what they'll do is they'll educate the employee on how to properly insert the hearing protection device, present the tone again, oh. and show them how much more effective it is. So it's a combination, I think, of creating a program that you know isn't disruptive to your mm-hmm. daily operations, that takes advantage of the you know mobile technology that we now have that is um, focusing on the education and training aspect. Um, and then, you know, you know, adding this as a, a kind of a value-add service to your employees. So uh, for me, this particular plant, they've really nailed it. They've um, figured out a way to, to make, you know, they've kind of an ideal situation in terms of their hearing conservation program. And I know that they've actually, it's, they're part of a much larger multinational organization. And I know that they're actually up for an award They've been put forward as kind of an internal award for kind of innovation in this area. So I love Great. seeing that. I love seeing people put a focus on hearing conservation programs because it really can have you know very far-reaching effects uh, into the lives of of employees. Absolutely. Well, this has been very interesting, Alexa. A lot of new ways of thinking about a very common EHS hazard. So thank you very much for taking the time to be with us today on EHS on Tap to talk about hearing conservation. That was my pleasure. Thanks so much, Justin. You're very welcome. Anytime. And to our listeners, be sure to stay tuned to EHS on Tap and keep reading the EHS Daily Advisor to stay on top of your safety and environmental compliance obligations, get the latest and best practices, and keep your finger on the pulse of all things related to the EHS industry. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this is Justin Scase for EHS on Tap.